dots because you're wrong, but connect the dots. Have you guys ever done that? Oh, yeah. Love connect the dots. I got done, uh, I got started connect the dots early. I almost went pro, but I didn't have the grades. I was actually, uh, I had Highlights Magazine coming after me. They wanted to sign me and things like that, but it got too political and I just, I didn't, I didn't, I ended up not going that way. Didn't have the grades. It was too, it was so much about the money. And so I just didn't, I just didn't go into a professional career of, of connect the dots. But let's be honest, connect the dots uh, is a very simple thing. When you're a kid and you see that page before you and you're like, what are all these numbers and dots? And you're like, oh, and you're like, oh, oh, it's an umbrella or, oh, it's a star. How cool. Right. When you're all done. But once you hit like age, I don't know, four, you get it and you're like, okay, it's a star. Oh, I, it's a seal. I get it. It's a line. It, it, you get like three dots and I got it. Sometimes there's all kinds of details in it. So you saw it even before you started. Your mind gets acclimated to what's happening. You begin to indeed connect the dots even before you connect the dots. Um, my kids are at that age. They, they occasionally have a connected dot in their, um, in their schoolwork and they breeze right through it. And, and sometimes I even, I even question whether I give it to them, but I give it to them just because they like it. And, but they're not, at this point, they're not challenged by it. And at this point, you're not challenged by it. A connected dot is a very simple thing. If that's all you had to do in a day, you got a pretty easy day, right? Well, I share that with you because in the next few weeks, we are doing, <laughs> it's like a sermon series inception. We're doing a sermon series within a sermon series. If you've ever seen the movie Inception, um, A, if you understood it, congratulations, uh, B, uh, it was kind of a complex thing. You, it was dreams within dreams within dreams and alternate realities and things like that. Well, we're doing a sermon series within a sermon series because we've got to this place in First John where John has hit this theme and he's gonna hit that nail on the head continuously. And so when, when the Lord does that in scriptures, we wanna make sure that we pause, reflect, and don't just plow through it. We wanna make sure that, okay, what, are, what is John, what is the Holy Spirit through John telling us in this moment, we're going to connect the dots. We're gonna look at a very important word that John's going to repeat throughout this chunk of scripture. Uh, and it, it's a really fun word, not because it's Greek, not because it, it brings all this, th- because it's like, have you ever played the game Battleship? Let's just talk about games we played as a kid all day long. Battleship, direct hits, how awesome a direct hit is. When you say, you know, like A3, you're like, oh, direct hit how satisfying that is. This word that John will use is a direct hit against the false teachers in the setting of 1 John and in our setting today. So here's the scripture starting in verse 16. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Lord, uh, your word is perfect. And it's my, not my job or any of our jobs to change it, to twist it, to, to take from it or add to it. Today our job is to simply hear it proclaimed. 
And that's what we seek today, Lord. May you be glorified in all of these things. Lead me, lead us as we speak and listen, Lord. And may you be glorified in Jesus' name, amen. So I wanna turn back just a little bit. You don't have to turn there, but I'm gonna read it to you. First uh, John chapter three, verse one says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. I share that with you because um, in just a few weeks, we're gonna get to a point where we get to the world's favorite Bible verse. Well, maybe second favorite Bible verse. The first one is thou shall not judge. They'll love that one. And the next one is God is love. And what that normally means from the world's perspective is God approves of everything I do. That's really what they're saying. Same thing as thou shall not judge. God approves of everything I do. They're saying one thing, but they mean another thing. John says, see what kind of love the father has given to us. He has given us a specific type of love. We are not to go in there and say, oh, love, then it means this, it means that. No, what does, what does God mean when he says this is the love? And John says, this love is the love that he's given us. It's a specific love, it's not general. It's not up to us to make it into the type of love that we seek, it's specific. Did you catch, as we went through that chunk of scripture, some 12 some odd verses, a repeated phrase over and over again? By this we know, that word know is, is gnosko. And, and so this week we're gonna look at knowing love, next week we're gonna look at uh, knowing truth, and the last week uh, of this sermon within a sermon is going to be knowing the spirit. Because John says, we can know these things. We can know them as they are to be known. The Greek word there is gnosko. Very similar to the word Gnostic, right? But it means something completely different. It means the progressive knowing, the arriving at based on facts before you. It's connecting the dots and seeing the truth. And John says, you can connect the dots that God has given you. You know, sometimes when we lay out something before somebody, it doesn't make them understand it entirely. If you, if you put a schematic of some electrical uh, component or gadget before me, I would just say, okay, that's how it works. I understand this tells me how it works, but I don't understand any of it. There's all these symbols and numbers and lines and, and wavy lines. What does that mean? And what does this mean? You could lay sheet music before me. I can't read sheet music. If you laid it before me and said, read this, I'd say, I can't. I understand this is the song before me, but I can't almost literally connect those dots to realize what it's saying. That's, I think that's an A and that means a sharp. I don't know. It means something. I know it, it's there, but I can't connect those dots. The Bible tells us that we have been given the dots to connect. And I find that we grow, we learn, we attain more wisdom and knowledge when the Lord allows us to connect those dots. If you go and you just tell everybody all this stuff right in front of them, huh? They get overwhelmed. I mean, some people, they're super smart and they pick up like that. But for the rest of us, people like me, I wanna see it laid out piece by piece. I wanna start connecting the dots. And you can tell me something over and over and over again, but until I connect dot A to dot B, it doesn't make any sense to me. But when I connect dot A to dot B, it's brand new knowledge. I've got it now. Oh, I see how this connects to that. And now I see how it works. One of my favorite uh, chefs is a man by the name of Alton Brown. And he, he, he comes at every dish almost scientifically and he explains why this works, you know, when he's making dough and how the gluten responds. And all I'm like, oh, I never 
knew that, how interesting. And now I see why you do things in a certain way, why you can't just haphazardly throw stuff together. You've got to actually have a game plan so that this does that and this does that. It's, it's, it's the connecting of the dots that reveal to us this truth in a way that we attain it and keep it and cherish it and store it. You ever, ever gone somewhere and heard like a really good anything, speech, sermon, whatever it is, but you forget it within a matter of minutes? It's because it sounded good in the moment and there was probably good truth, but, but there was no connection in there. There was no connecting of the dots. And so now you're like, I remember this, I remember that, but I don't remember, I just remember being really excited. And now I don't remember much more than that. John says, there's these dots to connect and we can connect them. See, the Gnostics were saying, no, 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 only a select few can connect the dots. Only a select few of you will even see the dots. You'd be lucky to even find a dot. If you're one of the select few, well, you've got to do A, B, and C so that you can move on to see more of the dots and connect the dots. And there's people in this church and there's people in church today who are beating their head up against a wall, trying to find or attain these secret knowledges that don't exist. You go to the Bible bookstore, you find things like the Bible code and all this other business. It's like, if you can't just find Jesus, just reading the Bible, what good's a code gonna do to you? It's, it's conspiracy and it's always mysterious and it's secret knowledge and it's a red flag. And, and just, if you see that, just run from it. The Lord has given us his word and that is sufficient to know Jesus. Are there more things we wanna know? Absolutely. I wanna know lots of things. What was Jesus' favorite food when he walked on the earth? Notice how it always comes back to food. It, it, what did he like? Did he really like, you know, hummus? Or did he really like, you know, was he like, oh, unleavened bread again? Like what? I mean, I know it's me, but it, it doesn't have a lot of, what was his opinion human, humanly? You know, did he really like sunny days? Did he like when it rained? Like, we don't know these things, but wouldn't it be interesting to know them? Did Adam have a belly button? You know, things like that. Not to be crass, but why do men have nipples? I mean, that's, that's a good question. Like, I still haven't found an answer for that. You know, so Mike has an answer. I hear him saying an answer, and I can't even imagine what he's saying right now. Um, so I'm not going to ask. Um, <laughs> but there's lots of questions like, why, why blue for the sky? You know, I understand there's light and refraction and things like that, but we see blue. Why? Why does the duckbill platypus have a duck bill? You know, why, why? There's so many, but there's, there's things that, and I'm sure there might be answers to some of those questions, but we all kind of revert back to that child when, when we think about being in the presence of God. Well, I'm gonna start asking all these questions. You know, why, why are hot dogs sold in packs of eight and buns packs of 10? I mean, there's little things like that. Why, Lord? How come, how come I always buy my phone 10 minutes before the new one comes out or the new one's announced? Things like that. But, you know, those questions don't matter, really. They're interesting to know, but the ones that do matter, Jesus, do you love me? Jesus, am I forgiven? Jesus, is your sacrifice sufficient? Is this sin forgivable? Those can all be found within scripture. Jesus, are you indeed God? Jesus, are you, are you really with me? Have you left me? These are questions that really matter. And yes, they can be answered through scripture and God has given us that. And so we can, we can kind of throw our arms, up in, our arms up in the air about the other stuff, but the stuff that really matters, the eternal things, they have been revealed to us. 
And we can know these things. This is a direct hit against the Gnostics who would say, no, you, you need special knowledge. And if people tell you you need special knowledge, you need to buy their book, you need to buy their sermon series, or you, know, you need to sign up for their uh, blog and pay this and that. And that. I mean, you have as much access to the word of God as they do. And they might have wisdom. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to just say they're all, they're all scheming against you. What I'm saying is you have access to the same word that they do. And today we live in a day and an age where materials are so readily available. I went uh, to study. I went to, um, my wife had a, uh, had a party she was doing. And so she was like, why don't you go work on your sermon at McDonald's? They have Wi-Fi. Go sit down and plug away while I'm doing this. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, so I did that. And I forgot my laptop. I was like, ah, geez. But I had my iPad. Number one, look at me. I'm already, this is already first world problems, right? So I'm like, Oh, I, I can do that and I can still go online. And so I did some studying there anyways. I was not limited. And think about men like Charles Spurgeon who would walk with whatever books he could carry and that was it. You know, he, he, there was no Wi-Fi and anything like that to access uh, anything other than what he could carry on his own back. And he'd go and what would he do? He'd bring the house down through the Holy Spirit by his preaching. And countless men and women have done that throughout the centuries, not needing or having access to what we have. We have no excuse. We, our only issue now is having discernment to know who is feeding us a bunch of garbage and who's actually feeding us the milk and the meat of the word. So what is it in this scenario that we can know? Some of you might be ignorant to this, but that's not because you can't know it. You aren't emotionally, physically, mentally limited to not know this. You can know this. Um, the word says that through, through God, all things are possible, right? Not all things are going to happen specifically as you want them, but it's possible. We prayed this morning for people. We don't know what the outcome's gonna be. We know what we want, but, and we know that what we want can be done through Jesus. He can do those things, but at this point, we know they're possible. We don't know exactly what God wants to do. We know that life eternal begins now and you have eternal life if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You will live forever. This body will pass away in the same way that the outer shell of a seed passes away, but something else comes back up through that. This last week, we went to the farmer's market in Oneida and they gave my kids this Dixie cup full of dirt with two pumpkin seeds in it. And within a week, <clears throat> sprouts had come out and the husk of the seed was still on one of the leaves. So I plucked that off. And same thing, that outer shell will go, but the true thing we are, that we don't know what it is yet, but we know that it'll happen, will come forth and that will be us. What can we know? We can know love. And the world needs love today more than it ever has. And they need the specific love that is found in the scriptures. What, what John is not talking about is romantic love. Not a bad thing, but that's just not what he's talking about. He's not talking about brotherly love, the camaraderie between two guys or two women or just a group of friends or just loving humankind in general and just wanting to see uh, mankind's best and all of that. It's not brotherly love. It's not parental love. It's not the love that a parent has for a child or a relative has for uh, a, a, a brother has for a sibling, that sort of thing. It's not that kind of love. Those are all good forms of love. They're, they're, I'm not speaking against those, but that's not what John is speaking of. We are talking about agape love. And we've talked great, a great deal about that. It's a word that's shared a lot within the church. You have whole ministries named after it. And uh, it's a very important word. It's actually a word that's 
found first in the Bible. It's like there was this special form of love that is found in the relationship with Jesus. So the church, the early writers had to create this word to fully encompass the love that they were experiencing through Christ. It's a love that's only found in relationship to Christ. You can find romantic love, brotherly love, parental love, friendship type love. You can find love in all different avenues, but this type of love, this agape love is exclusive in Christ. Not just in the church, because there's lots of churches without the agape love. This is within a relationship, a knowing relationship with Jesus. So what does this agape love mean? What makes it different? It's literally translated love feast, and, and that sounds really hippie-ish, and I don't like it, but I can't change it because it's not my choice. Um, what it harkens back to is the early church getting together and eating and feasting together and having communion with one another and outpouring love towards each other because God had poured out love to them through Jesus. It was like taking a bucket and pouring it over somebody's head and just continuously pouring. There was a never ending supply being poured out upon the person. Here's some things that make this a very distinguished, very um, personable, very unique form of love. It's an outpouring, number one. Number two, uh, it's not caused by an action of another. See, I'm standing next to Joe Schmo and he starts pouring out this agape love on me, not because I did something for him. You ever, ever go to a gas station restaurant, something like that, and you get a server or a clerk and they're just extra nice to you? And because they're nice to you, they're now your favorite? Oh, I wanna go over here and I wanna make sure, you know, is Rebecca working? I wanna sit at her table because she just knows how to take care of me. Your love for her stems from what she did for you. And so consequently, if you have the server that's not so good, you're like, please don't sit me on his table because he's a moron. Like that's not Christian, but that's sometimes what happens, right? That's the same thing. Your feelings toward him are changed based on, based on what he's done. Notice how the bad waiter is a man and the good waitress is a girl. That's, that's weird. Um, that, there's, well, there's probably something wrong with me with that. Um, <clears throat> But that being said, this is different. Agape love is not instigated by you. You don't do something, hey God, look what I did. Oh, okay, here's the love I'm gonna pour out on you. No, no, it, it's the reverse. He pours it out upon you in spite of the fact that you've done nothing. You're his child. It is close to parental love. Your kids have done nothing except be born, right? And we love them. We love them the minute we have knowledge of them. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a baby, this is amazing. I love this kid. What's he done? Nothing. He's just mine and I love him. And I want to buy him presents and I want to take him places. And I want to show him this. And, you know, I just want to do all these things with my kids because I love them. And the kids are like, well, sometimes I buy my kids presents because I'm an adult and I have money and I'm foolish. And they, and they, and they, they why'd you buy me this? Because I love you. Yeah, but did I get good grades? I did this. No, you did nothing. I just wanted to pour out love on you. And there are some times you get the good grades, you do the chores, things like that. Oh, okay, let's go do something. That's an exchange. That's something earned, merited. But this is different. This love, agape love, true agape love is given to you without you ever doing anything to deserve it. It's not only in words. It requires action. See, if we say, you know what, brother? I love you. And I'll say that again next Sunday and the Sunday following and I'm not coming that next Sunday and I'll probably be gone for three months and I'll see you again and I'll say I love you again. And that's all it's ever going to be. 
you know, if the writers of the scriptures heard us or saw us doing that, they would go, nope, that's not love. That's saying just enough to be connected slightly to somebody. At the end of the day, you boil that down, nothing happens. Agape love requires an action, not on your part. Again, because this isn't initiated by you. I'm friends with Joe Schmo again. I want to show agape love to him. He does nothing. I must do, I can't just say, hey, I love you, buddy. I got to say, you know what? I love you. And then I've got to serve him. I've got to do something. Not to earn his faith. It has nothing to do with getting anything from that person. It just has to do with me wanting to love that person. Why? Well, for us as Christians, as the church, it's because Christ first loved us in that way. See, this is where we begin to connect the dots. We have that banner up there, love Jesus, serve others, change the world. We don't just do that as a formula. We truly believe that if we love Jesus above all things, we will naturally, supernaturally, if you will, begin to love other people because we will see them as Christ sees them. And we will, it will convict us and change us to love them. And then if we love them, we will want to serve them. What do you need? What's going on? Oh, you're hurting? Oh, this? Oh, that? I want to, okay, can I help? Can I, uh, can I do this? Some of us, we get scared because we don't have a lot. Oh, pastor, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of talent to do this or that or the other thing. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if God has laid somebody before you to do something, he expects you to do it within whatever you have and whatever he'll give to you. I don't expect anybody, now some ch churches have done this foolishly, write checks that would normally bounce, but you're gonna do it in faith, that's just foolishness. Don't ever do anything like that. You know, take on credit debt and things like that. I mean, that's, being foolish like that is not really agape love, you're just you're using somebody else's stuff to love somebody. And David wouldn't do that in building the temple. I don't suggest we do the same. Um, when it comes to agape love, what do we have? Let's start there. Maybe you don't have a lot of money, but you do have time. Maybe you're really good at baking or cooking and maybe you have a car. So you wanna drive out and meet somebody. You wanna just spend some time with them. Maybe you wanna just bless it. Here's a meal. I wanna cook you guys a meal, but I'm not sick. We do a great job of making meals for each other when, when people are sick. I love that. You get meal trains going when the ladies are having their babies. We deliver food to people volunteer. You can't get people to volunteer fast enough or, or, or uh, enough. There's almost too much people for opportunity. I love that ratio. But what about just every day? Yeah, I'm going to make this guy food. I'm going to make this family food. Why? Because it would make their day easier. They, they would not have to make dinner. And so I'm going to make double my dinner so that they can make dinner. Have you ever priced out how much it costs to make spaghetti? It's like a nickel. Like it doesn't even cost anything to make spaghetti. Like you buy a box of pasta for a dollar, so you buy two boxes of pasta for two dollars, and a jar of spaghetti sauce, if you go that route, is a couple bucks, three, four bucks, so you buy a couple more. And if you wanna get complicated and start throwing stuff in there, I mean, you can just make things stretch and make things go, and, and, and you can make a meal pretty cheap. And you guys can probably do better than, than me, you know, coupon-wise and things like that. There's ways to bless and love people that don't involve you giving, you know, some big, large check to somebody. Here's a billion dollars because I love you. No, you may let the billionaires do that. What, where are you? What, what has God given you? He expects you to steward that time, talent, treasure to use that, to, 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 to bless others with it, to serve them simply because they are them. 
haven't done anything. The trap will be, well, they didn't even appreciate it. No, 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 it's not about that. It's not about whether they appreciate it or not. You think Jesus went to the cross going, I'm not even gonna appreciate it. I'm gonna trample all over this sacrifice. No, I think he went in knowing that. He knew that there were gonna be people who were gonna give their life to Christ, so-called, and then they were gonna just trample that sacrifice under their feet. But he went and did it anyways. That's the epitome of agape love. Jesus on the cross for you and for me. Initiated by him, we did nothing. As a matter of fact, we did everything in the opposite direction. The Bible speaks to us while, it speaks to the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. If you believe that we're all God's children before Jesus, go back to that verse because Jesus died for the ungodly. That was us. He didn't die for the ungodly who did enough. He didn't die for the ungodly who gave enough. He didn't die for the ungodly who prayed enough. He died for all those who were ungodly without, outside of God while we are still sinners. This is the epitome of agape love. I gotta be honest with you. It is overwhelming to think about. Think to yourself, how many times somebody's done that to you if you really want to get convicting, think about how many times you've done that to somebody else. It's more rare than other forms of love. And it's even more rare in the world. I think the world accomplishes it in a sense sometimes, but without that Holy Spirit to kind of buffer their flesh, it gets out of control, meaning there's resentment and bitterness when there's not proper appreciation. If you don't make fanfare about them giving, then there's sort of some hurt that deals with that. But for the Christian, we give because Christ first gave to us. And he first gave to us himself. The command is to love others, to love our brothers with what we have because Christ has loved us with what he has or with what he is. <clears throat> Excuse me. The bad news is that we can't do this. We, we aren't able to do this continuously all the time every minute of the day. Our flesh is incapable. It's like trying to get your 1976 Ford Pinto to hit the 88 miles per hour it would take to engage the flux capacitor to go back in time. You're just not gonna do it. Not without going downhill and taking off some wheels and stuff. You're just not going to do it. You're not built to do it because of sin. See, when we have a proper view of sin, it actually is quite liberating. People are like, why are you always talking about sin? It's so negative. Yeah, and I wanna get rid of it. And I, don't, I find that the less you talk about something, the more you kind, of, you kind of just suppress it inside you. You ever lived in a family like that? Well, we don't talk about that. Well, why not? Because if you do, people are gonna fight. And so everybody walks around with a look on their face like, oh, how are you doing? We're not gonna talk about the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Oh, please God, let us get through this Thanksgiving and, and we'll go to church and we'll do all these things. And, and then lo and behold, the drunk uncle comes in and says it and then all hell breaks loose. Like literally all hell breaks loose. We, you, can't, you suppress it, it's like a bomb. You just, and it's gonna explode one day. And so if we don't talk about sin, A, we neglect a huge subject of the Bible, a big reason why Jesus came to the earth, why he died for our, uh, our sin, or why he died for us in general, you have to talk about that. And so I find that when you talk about sin, what it does is it opens the door to salvation. 
when you understand that I'm a sinner, but that Jesus wants to make me and can make me a saint, the sin no longer becomes negative. It becomes the stepping stone to my salvation. So when I talk about your sin, I mean, we shouldn't sin. That's, we, we get that, right? But I use it as a stepping stone to salvation. We don't, we don't reach for the life ring thing while we're drowning if we don't know we're drowning. You know, you're just floating in the water. You don't ask to be rescued. But you start getting pulled under a little bit. You start flailing those arms. You realize, I need to be saved and I can't save myself. And so the good news is that Jesus, Jesus doesn't expect you to save yourself and Jesus doesn't expect you to love other people from your own physical account. He's going to deposit in you the power, the strength to do this. Because <clears throat> what he's calling you to do is really big, to love people when they've done nothing for you. Yeah, your family, some close friends, maybe your boss, but they pay you, so that doesn't really count. But Outside of that, everybody, your enemy, that, that politician you don't like, just insert whatever name you want. You're gonna love him or her with the agape love? That's what Jesus did. Go back and read the gospels. Who's he loving? Everybody. The tax collector, the prostitute, even the Pharisees. Well, he's always telling the Pharisees where to go. Yeah, because he loves them and wants them to repent of their foolishness. If he didn't love them, he wouldn't spend any time with them. He wouldn't have corrected them and told them, hey, stop. <laughs> and what do they return back to him? Things like, well, at least we know who our father is. I don't know if you guys know the story of Jesus, but his mother was impregnated by the Holy Spirit while being betrothed to a man named Joseph. That's a pretty big dig. Basically calling Jesus' mom a whore. This is not playtime with the kiddos and we're just talking back. I mean, they, they came to take Jesus down and Jesus still loved them enough to allow them to speak and then, and then go back to them. Well, answer me this question. And he called them out on their foolishness. Sometimes you gotta do that. And when you do it in love, hopefully it leads to the person's repentance. You, you don't do it all the time. Hey, how you doing? Repent! You know, where, where did you say that? He, okay, let's bring it down a notch. But I, I think God loves everything I do. Whoa, let's talk about that for a minute. Everything you do? Everything? I just saw you flip off a 98-year-old woman because she cut you off in traffic. God, God loves that? Well, she was driving slow. Yeah, because... She can't see over the steering wheel. Why don't you kind of hang back and just make sure she makes it home? We can't do this, but the good news is we can totally do this in the power of Christ. The Lord knows our limits and so he is unlimited in us. Yeah, see, that doesn't make any sense in my head. I know there's lots of things about Jesus that don't make sense in my head. Like, like the loving your enemy thing. Doesn't make any sense in my head. But my enemies, my enemies hate me. Like why would I love them? And Jesus says, well, because anybody can love their friends. Oh, okay. I see where you're going with this. And so in verse 18, John says, little children, which he always throws that out there, like when he's got to teach you something really big. It's like this reminder, like, hey, we love you, but hey, you're acting like kids. 
Let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. You can't separate God's loving and God's giving. You cannot separate loving other people and giving yourself away to them. You can't. And the Bible tells us that the rest of the world will see Christ truly as he is to be seen through the expression of your love towards them. Whether that be a loving rebuke, whether that be a loving encouragement, whether that is just living out your life in their presence so that they see the struggle, but that in, in Christ you struggle to his glory. They see your life and they see Christ. And they might try to be like, oh, you're so brave, strong, whatever adjective they throw in there. And you can point back, this is not me. I, I, if this were all me, I'd be a puddle on the floor long time ago. Honestly, I don't know how I've made it this far except for Jesus. And you know, you'll be with friends who don't know Jesus and they'll, they'll go through, through the same struggles as you and they'll make it for a while, but then eventually you just keep kind of plugging away and they're kind of falling behind. And, and what we hope is that the question will be, how are you doing it? And we hope that there, there's this moment of clarity between them and the spirit and they see that it's Jesus that did this. Not a, not a, not a, a self-help book or a therapist or just a, a, a some, you know, how, how many of you have ever met a person whose life is completely changed? I mean, they did a 180 because they saw that meme on Facebook. It does nothing. I find on Facebook, all you ever do is just kind of gather around the people that agree with you. You don't really convert anybody. We're looking for conversion. And the strongest agent, agent rather, not Asian, the strongest, strongest agent of change outside of the Holy Spirit really includes the Holy Spirit in you, in the world. You wanna see your workplace love Jesus? Then love Jesus in your workplace. You wanna see your family love Jesus? Love Jesus in your family. You wanna love Jesus? You want the community to love Jesus? Go into your community and love Jesus. Invite them, talk to them. Be nice to them. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Can I help you with anything? You don't work here. I know, but I know where stuff is. Oh, you're looking for paper towels? They're back over there. I can show you where they are. Are you gonna steal something from me? <laughs> nah, <laughs> just, just trying to be nice. You're gonna get that. You know, what do you want from me? You're being nice and I didn't do anything to deserve this. Aha, you're doing it. If that's the response, then you're doing it right. What, what do you want from me? Nothing. You gotta want something from me because nobody does anything without wanting something in return. That's true, except for Jesus. And so John says, go back a little bit. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. Not that he said he would. Not that Jesus talked about laying down his life, which he did. But we know this love because he did it. That he laid down his life for us. And so what's the appropriate response? That we would do the same thing. That we would lay down our lives for our families, our friends, our church, our community, and do so because we know Christ did it. That's the connecting of the dots. That's the saying, okay, Jesus has done it. He's called me to do it. He will empower me to do it wherever I go. So now, last dot 
is action. And we'd be a really silly, miserable ministry if all we ever did was talk about the dots that led us to action but then didn't do anything. It's why I love the letter from Clear Path and St. Baldrick's and the things that we do because that's part of our action. That's part of what we do. I, um, I heard a story. I'm gonna butcher it because I can only remember it vaguely. But um, story of a man who... Um, he goes into town, like, how so-and-so, and, and, well, so-and-so's cart, this is an old story from, like, the 1800s, his cart broke, and he can't make his milk deliveries anymore. And we're all just beat up about, we're all just, we're sick about it. And so he, he pulled money out of his pocket and said, I, this is how sick I am about it. How sick about it are you? If there's something that you see before you that needs to be done, find a way to be a part of the solution for it. Pray. Lord, I want to help, but I don't have seemingly anything. What can I do? And, and, and watch as he opens your mind to remember the things you have or to bring provision where you did not see it coming so that you can do something. I don't know how many stories I've ever heard. I, I, I wanted to help. I didn't know what to do. And then this happened. Then Jesus happened. And I was able to give. And, 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 and I, I didn't, you know, I, you ever had somebody with, I had somebody once who, who had lots of money and they needed some help and I didn't know how to help. They didn't need financial help. They needed other, they needed other help. And they, I said, well, what can I do for you? Like, can I get a ride? My car's in the shop. Oh, I can, I can drive and I can, I got a car and it's got gas. Let's go. I can help you. I was so excited because I felt like I couldn't do anything. And here was this need that I could fill. I have a ton more, uh, what's the opposite of victory? Losing? Yeah. Stories of losing compared to the ratio of victory. Um, so I'm not gonna let you go away with the fact, uh, or not the fact, the, the idea, well, Pastor Tony's always on fire. Uh, not all the time. Sometimes I'm wet wood and sparks just don't work. But what opportunities before you and what does God expect you to do? I. I remember we had the flood a few years back. Remember the flood in Oneida? I, I remember thinking, what, what the heck do I even do? And so I remember reaching out to some folks who said, hey, we got the church. You want to come sleep in the church? Air mattresses, it's dry in there, you know? If you want to do a camp out of the church, that's fine. And uh, we didn't, nobody needed to take us up on that offering. Everybody who was displaced found places to go and I don't know what else to do, you know? Sometimes people come along, and I don't, oh, come stay at our house then. You know, come have a meal with us. Like, I don't have a lot of money, but I have food. I have warmth. I have a porch. We can sit on our porch and just talk about Jesus or whatever you want to talk about, you know? Or you know what? I, truly, I, I don't have what you need, but I want to pray for you. James talks about the guy who says, you know, guy comes to you, I can't make my mortgage payment and I lost my job and my kid's sick. And you're just like, okay, I'll pray for you, brother. We'll talk to you about it later. Talk to you later. And just walks away. And he's like, that's not, and you might not have the mortgage payment. You might not have the medicine. You might not have a job, but man, you've got you. Oh man, let's go talk. Let, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Let's go talk about it. Cup of coffee going to fix anything? Well, depending on who you ask, yeah, it might fix a lot of things. It won't fix the problems, but man, it'll just be nice to just sit and talk. And, you know, have you ever just had problems and had the ability to just kind of express them and they don't feel so big anymore? I mean, it just, it's alleviating to have the ear of a friend who will just listen to you and not judge you and not, not try to fix you, you know? 
Oh, I don't have, well, have you tried looking for a job? Well, I haven't even, it's nine o'clock at night. I can't look for a job right now. I just, I'm just venting. I'm just trying to get this out because I'm eventually, of course I'm gonna look for a job. You know, just, uh-huh, okay, see, yeah, that sucks. If I ever counsel to you, that's probably like 85% of what I say to you. Oh, that sucks. Because it does. It's the worst. And do I really need to say any more than that? No, because you know it. I'm not going to sit there and expound on how bad your situation is. If I've got some advice, I'll share it with you. But I just, I'm just going to mourn with you because that's all I know to do at this moment. I'm not a professional counselor. I didn't go to school for counseling. I went to school to be a minister. I went to school to be a pastor. And so what does the Bible say? Let's talk about that. Let's point you in the right direction. And we got your back. So now, now it's up to you. You got the dots. You got to connect them and you got to take the picture and do something with it. What opportunities are before you? What, you know, some of you are taking eggs home today. Maybe you don't need eggs. Do you know somebody who's hungry? Do you know somebody who could use eggs? One of the parables I love, or not parables really, it's a, a teaching from Jesus. He says, you know, you guys are evil parents, which compliments to us, right? Even evil bad parents know that when your child asks for bread, you don't give him a stone. When he asks for an egg, you don't give him a serpent. I would get that. Kid comes up, I'm hungry. Okay, they must need food. In my sinful state, even I can do that simple computation. We can't go out to a homeless person, here's a dozen raw eggs. What? What am I going to do with this? I'm going to chuck them at you as you walk away. That's what I'm going to do. I got, I got no stove. My underwear's on over my pants. What am I going to do with these eggs? But you bring them a sandwich. You make an egg salad sandwich. You do something with those eggs. You find a family that's just, you know, it's tight this month and it's the end of the month and, you know, things are just getting kind of tight. So you, you know, oh, here you go. I got eggs already. Here, you take some eggs. Oh, thank you. Now, there, there's no shortage of work that needs to be done. And if you will just simply open your eyes and look around and, and pray that the Lord would give you eyes to see, oh man, you're gonna end up with a new problem. There's too much to do. Aha, same problem, different direction, same directive. What has God called you to do? What is your part? Because we are called to love in action, to do something about it. How does John put it? The person who has the goods of this world and then does nothing with it? Man. Maybe in America we're poor, but we're not poor. My son will ask me every now and again, are we rich? No, son. Not like some people are rich, but we've got friends, warm house, more dogs than I can count, and they just keep coming. Pray for me if you ever get a chance. Um, we've got an awesome church, and we've got each other, and we've got Jesus. I say, man, we are rich. We are so rich because there's people out there who only have a fraction, if, and some of them don't even have any of that. We are rich. Many of us have pantries full of food. We're just, if we stopped earning money today, we would eat well for a month, two months maybe. We wouldn't have any money in the bank, but we, and at the end, we might be eating like okra, beets, and cream corn, that might be all we have left, but we'd still have food on that last day. How can we help? What can we do? What can I do? God, what do you want me to do right here? Because I, I gotta be honest, I, I believe that God will expect you to do what he expects you to do. 
he will expect you to do what he has enabled you to do. So if you don't have a billion dollars, I don't think he expects you to give a billion dollars. But if you have time, he probably expects you to give that time. If you have some money, he probably expects you to give some money. If you have a talent, he probably expects you to give some of that talent. It's not just for you to bottle up, it's for you to be like a funnel and catch it and give it and keep that cycle going. That's agape love. That's the love that we can know. That's the love that you know today and that you can use to give to others. The Lord can do a lot with a willing heart. And we bring, I, I look at it like this, we bring nothing to the table and God gives us everything. We have a generous, loving God. So let's stand, let's pray together. Maybe you're scared. This, this type of sermon scares me because I'm always afraid God's gonna make me give away something I don't wanna give up. And I have to just go in there and say, you know what, Lord? That's part of our surrender. We open our hands because we spend so much of our time like this. Hold on to, don't let go of, because if I lose this, happiness goes but what I found both through the word and experientially is that as I open my hands and I free myself to release these things, more things always come, but my heart is not trapped by idolatry. My heart is now trapped by Jesus. And so if you're like me and this type of sermon scares you, I wanna pray with you today. Lord, this type of sermon, this type of convicting word from John through your Holy Spirit is just that. It's convicting, Lord. And it's scary because we look at how freely you've given to us and we marvel. I mean, honestly, we look at you and go, how did you do that? You talk over and over again about how much you love your son, but yet you gave that son for us. And so Lord, today, we wanna be like that. You know us, you know our proclivities, you know our flesh, we, you know our limitations and you break through those limitations by your Holy Spirit and we thank you for that, Lord. And so today, as we go back home, to the job, to the community, to school, well, school's out, but wherever we go, Lord, may we carry that agape love with us as we, as we receive it, Lord, may we be ready to give it out, to see a need and say, hey, Lord, how can I help with that need and then do something about it? Where we can't, Lord, where we, we, we will inevitably, inevitably come to places where we have nothing for that circumstance, do one of two things, Lord. Help us to pray and provide for us something to provide. In the same way you provided the ram in the thicket for Abraham and Isaac, Lord, may you provide for us as well that we may give back in your name. And may this no longer be an, a, a topic or a subject that's fearful and convicting, maybe one that encourages us, that dis disciplines us, makes us better disciples as we go out. Lord, may your love shine through us to the world that they may know that you are the one true God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Church, we love you. Love you uh, thank you, and we pray that you have a wonderful week.